0: This is Texas EMS School's National Registry Psychomotor Exam Preparation Audio for Life Threats and Hypoperfusion, Copyright 2021 by Axon Education, LLC. As you prepare for your psychomotor exams, the two seemingly most scary exams are the Medical Examination and the Trauma Assessment Examination. They involve complex scenarios, and the skill sheets themselves are lengthy and difficult to memorize. So, you should be pleased to hear that we won't be asking you to memorize them. Instead, when you attend Skills Lab, we teach you how to complete an assessment using a logical and intuitive method. We're not providing you tricks or shortcuts. Instead, we're going to provide you some strategies that you can learn very quickly that will help you unclutter your mind and allow you to move with confidence. Listening to this audio is step one. So, if you're stuck in traffic, taking a long drive, or relaxing in your armchair, just turn it on, listen to it over and over. We're going to be discussing life threats and shock or hypoperfusion. And if you understand this, the rest falls into place quite quickly. We'll ask you to complete a pre-assessment after you arrive at Skills Lab that covers this material. We're going to discuss three important topics. We're going to discuss number one, identifying and assessing life threats. Number two, understanding what shock or hypoperfusion is and how to identify it. And number three, we're going to discuss how to treat for shock. By the way, for the purposes of this audio, we will treat the word shock and hypoperfusion as exactly the same thing. In many of these discussions, I will use both terms to help your brain begin to understand that they are the same. Oddly enough, we're going to start by discussing the four steps to treat shock in psychomotor assessment. Basically, it's as simple as this. If we believe the patient is going into shock or exhibiting signs of hypoperfusion, we're going to, number one, make a decision to transport the patient immediately. Number two, we are going to ask our partner to provide the patient with high-flow oxygen. Number three, we're going to lay the patient flat or put them into a position of comfort. And number four, we're going to keep them warm. All right, let's go into each of these in detail. The first thing we are going to do in terms of treating for shock or hypoperfusion is that we are going to make a decision to transport the patient immediately. EMS professionals save lives every day because they transport patients to a place where there are more trained professionals, more resources, more diagnostic equipment, etc. If you want to save a life, if you want to treat hypoperfusion or shock, you transport. As soon as it becomes evident that you have life threats in your scenario, or that your patient is exhibiting signs of shock, tell your examiner you intend to transport this patient immediately, and don't be afraid to restate it after you've finished assessing for life threats. It doesn't hurt to say it more than once, but failure to transport a patient immediately is a critical fail criterion. Don't risk it. Say it more than once. If the exact words don't come to you, just be sure that you let the examiner know that you intend to transport the patient now. The second and equally important step is to ask your partner to provide the patient high flow oxygen. In a psychomotor exam, you will be provided two real or imaginary trained partners. Now these partners can complete any intervention you ask of them competently. In an assessment scenario, you're not required to complete or demonstrate how to complete the oxygen therapy yourself. However, you must remember to ask your partner to administer oxygen. Again, you don't have to remember the exact set of words maybe that I'm using in this audio, but it would be valuable to say the words high flow in there somewhere if you can get them in. But most examiners would not withhold points if you fail to say high flow. But here is something important to remember about what you say. This is not a time to show off and let the examiner know just how well you've been reading your book by stating how many liters per minute you're going to administer or what device you might use. Simply saying, I'm going to ask my partner to administer high flow oxygen will probably suffice. That way you can move on. If the examiner wants additional information, he or she will ask for it, however, If you state that you intend to use a non-rebreather, the examiner may feel compelled to ask you just how many liters per minute or some other clarifying question. Don't poke the bear. Just ask your partner to administer high-flow oxygen. This, too, is a critical criterion. If you fail to do it, you'll likely fail the exam. So say it as soon as it becomes evident that it's needed and restate it after you assess for all five life threats. The number three thing we're going to do to treat for shock is to lay the patient flat, particularly if it's a trauma assessment, or we're going to put them into a position of comfort if it's a medical assessment scenario so that they have the best ability to breathe and possibly be less anxious. It should be noted that there are special considerations for moving a trauma patient. Now we're going to teach you those and you're going to learn those considerations in detail at Skill's lab, But for these purposes, when you feel that shock or hypoperfusion is present, you should indicate that you intend to lay the patient flat or in a position of comfort. And the number four or last thing that we're going to do to treat for shock or hypoperfusion is we're going to keep the patient warm. Generally speaking, for psychomotor exams, you simply need to say that you intend to keep the patient warm. But If you're asked for details about how you would do that, just say that you will use the provided blanket. Just a quick note here is to remember that when you walk in the room for your psychomotor assessment exam, look around at all the equipment. All the equipment available to you is going to be on the floor or somewhere near your patient, in the room or on the examination site, and that should include a blanket. It'll be among your supplies and that can be a visual reminder to you. So let's recap, if a patient is exhibiting signs of shock or hypoperfusion, same thing. We're going to number one, make a decision to transport them immediately. Number two, ask our partner to administer high flow oxygen. Number three, we're gonna lay the patient flat or put them into a position of comfort. And number four, we're gonna keep the patient warm. The fact is, there is very little risk of going ahead and treating for shock at the very first signs that it may be an issue, so just keep that in mind. Psychomotor exams tend to be complex, they tend to be serious scenarios, so if you see signs of shock, which we're about to discuss, or if you believe there's a possibility that it might be necessary, Don't hesitate. Go ahead. Treat for shock as early as the signs become apparent to you, and don't be afraid to state your treatments more than once. Alright, let's move on and talk about the signs of shock and hypoperfusion. One of the most important things we do when we arrive on a scene as an EMT is to identify and treat for life threats. In a psychomotor exam, you must do this before you move on to secondary exams or transportation. This is a critical criterion that you must identify and treat life threats before later portions of the assessment, so be careful. Essentially, if you identify a life threat, even if you've already treated that life threat, you should treat for shock, which means you will transport immediately and provide high-flow oxygen. In your book, you will have read sections on airway, breathing, and circulation. Checking for life threats involves checking these ABCs. However, At our skills lab, we're going to teach this to you in a slightly different way. It's the same concepts, but taught through a different approach. For now, let's just make it very clear. You don't move on without checking five indicators of life threats. And if threats are present, you should treat them immediately. We're going to ask you to check pulse, skin condition, airway, breathing, and finally bleeding. So let's go through these. Number one is pulse. Now, if a person is responsive, that is, if you can speak with them, you will probably ask permission first and then take a radio pulse by asking them to touch their wrist. Uh, that's going to most likely be in your medical scenario, by the way. If a person is unresponsive, then you will probably need to check the carotid pulse at the neck. And again, that is most likely to be in your trauma scenario. Now, in this audio, we're really not talking about cardiac arrest management. There is a skill called cardiac arrest management, AED, that deals with conducting CPR. If a pulse is not present, then that's where we're going. But that is not the topic of this audio. And oddly enough, if a pulse is present, just even knowing that it's rapid or thready or strong doesn't necessarily give us a lot of information by itself. However, when you combine that information with the other things we're going to be checking as we go along, it becomes very important. So, number one, we're going to check pulse. Number two, we are going to check skin condition. Now, we're going to teach you a very detailed and explicit way to go about this. It's going to help you make sure you check skin condition correctly each time. But for right now, we just need you to know that if you check skin condition and your examiner suggests that the skin is pale, cool, and clammy, you need to treat for shock. A rapid pulse with pale, cool, and clammy skin is a strong indication that the patient might be in compensated shock. Right there, you already have enough information to tell the examiner that you're going to treat for shock by choosing to transport immediately and asking your partner to provide high-flow oxygen to the patient. Then, of course, you're going to lay them flat and keep them warm. Number one is pulse. Number two is skin condition. The third life threat that we are going to check is airway. When you check the airway, you may or may not find a patent airway. And again, at Skills Lab, we're going to teach you all about how to make an appropriate assessment here. But I will just say for right now, if there is any problem with the airway, it indicates right there that you may have had that problem for a considerable period of time. And if that's the case, the patient might be exhibiting signs of shock simply because they've been without oxygen for a lengthy period of time. So if the airway is not patent, ask your partner to take the steps to open the airway. Don't move on without ensuring that you've taken all of these steps. We'll teach you those specific steps needed when you come to Skills Lab. But for now, just remember, Don't move on without correcting the life threat and recognizing, if you haven't done so already, that you need to treat for shock. So, number one, pulse. Number two, skin condition. Number three, airway. And number four now, breathing. Let me give you some advice. Listen carefully. Airway and breathing are not the same thing but they are obviously closely related. I can't tell you how many students clear the airway and then make an assumption that breathing is now okay. You must check for the adequacy of breathing after you ensure the airway is patent. You will simply need to tell your examiner you're checking for breathing by watching the rise and fall of the chest. The examiner may say breathing is adequate or more likely may say something like it's shallow or it's rapid, etc. This is a great place to state again that you're going to ask your partner to place the patient on high flow oxygen. Number one, we're gonna check for pulse. Number two, we're gonna check for skin condition. Number three, we're gonna check the airway. Number four, we're gonna check for breathing. And number five, the big daddy, we're going to check for bleeding. This is a big one. If you get any indication as you check for bleeding that bleeding is occurring, Whether it's internal or bleeding that you can see, that's external bleeding, it's a significant contributor to a patient entering shock. If there is external bleeding, address it immediately. First apply pressure, and if that doesn't stop, apply the tourniquet. And strictly speaking, what you're gonna actually do is ask your partner to apply pressure and ask your partner to put on the tourniquet if necessary. We'll cover this thoroughly at Skills Lab, but for now, just remember, that like all indicated life threats, you treat it immediately and make sure that you treat for shock or hypoperfusion afterwards. Number one, we're gonna check for pulse. Number two, we are gonna check for skin condition. Number three, we're gonna check the airway. Number four, we're gonna check the breathing. And number five, we are going to check for bleeding. When you finish all five life threats, just ask yourself, have you already told the examiner that you're going to treat for shock? By transporting the patient right now, having your partner administer high flow oxygen, laying the patient flat, or putting them in a position of comfort if it's a medical, and keeping them warm. So we've discussed how to treat for shock. We have discussed identifying life threats and indicators of shock. So now it's time to discuss what shock is. Having a thorough understanding of shock, including all the different types of shock and the various stages of hypoperfusion will be essential when you prepare for your readiness exam or the National Registry Cognitive Exam. But for the psychomotor exams, it's honestly fairly simplified. In psychomotor exams, you're almost always going to be given a situation or a scenario where the patient is in the early stages of shock. We commonly refer to this as compensated shock. And as a result, for the purposes of prepping for the psychomotor exams, we can really group most forms of shock into one big container and say, if you see a specific set of signs or symptoms, then you can assume you're dealing with shock. Naturally, there's going to be exceptions, but in the psychomotor exams, those exceptions are going to be rare. So what is shock or hypoperfusion? Hypo is just a word prefix that tells us that we've got something that is low or inadequate. And perfusion is the ability of our bodily fluids to deliver oxygen to our cells and then remove waste such as carbon dioxide. So hypoperfusion is low or inadequate delivery of oxygen to our cells in a very simplified form. When our bodily fluids can't do the job they need to do, our cells start to suffer and eventually die, and that is shock or hypoperfusion. There are two important things to note about shock. First, the signs of shock change as shock progresses through various stages. In the early stages of hypoperfusion your body goes to great effort to try to compensate for the problem and they will try to repair the situation. So if you don't have enough fluid or fluid is not reaching the farthest reaches of your body your heart is going to pump harder it's going to pump faster. If you're not getting enough oxygen your brain is going to tell your lungs breathe deeper breathe faster. So if your examiner tells you that breathing is rapid or a pulse is rapid let it be an indicator that shock might be present. Now, in the later stages of hypoperfusion, your body is going to get tired. As your body attempts to compensate over a period of time, your heart begins to weaken and the muscles in your chest get tired. As a result, your breathing and your heart rate may slow down. And at that point, your body is beginning to lose the battle with hypoperfusion. This is a stage of shock that we refer to as decompensated shock. And once the body goes into decompensated shock, it is going to be very difficult to bring it back out. So just think about what I've said and how it might relate to a psychomotor exam scenario. Psychomotor exam scenario writers want you to be tested with a complex skill, but they want you to be tested with a skill that you can complete successfully, something that you can do something about. Therefore, it is very likely that you're going to be given a scenario in a medical assessment or a trauma assessment that involves compensated shock, early shock. That means you can treat it with what? Immediate transport, ask your partner to give them high flow oxygen, lay them in a flat position or a position of comfort, and keep them warm. Another important thing to consider is that while there are multiple types of shock, the majority of them will present, in the early stages at least, in very similar ways. There are a couple of notable exceptions, such as neurological shock, that present very differently. But for the most part, for the purposes of the National Registry of Emergency Medical Technician's psychomotor examinations, if you see a fast pulse, Rapid breathing, a life threat that had to be corrected or is still uncorrected, and any bleeding, you need to assume that you need to treat for shock. So what does all this mean? Well, when you're preparing for the psychomotor exams, and when you go in for that first assessment exam, you probably should go in with a strong presumption that you're going to be treating for shock. And when you treat for shock, discuss rapid transport early, Don't be afraid to say it more than once. It's a critical criterion. If you fail to identify immediate transport, you will fail the exam. So say it as soon as it comes to your mind and say it after you treat the life threats just to be sure that you've included it. The same thing for oxygen. Discuss having your partner provide high flow oxygen as soon as it becomes evident that is necessary. Don't be afraid to repeat yourself again, especially right after you've uh, completed your life threat examination. Assess all life threats, each of the five. Make sure that if a threat is indicated that you've dealt with that threat. And at the risk of being very redundant, never move on to the detailed assessment without, number one, stating that you're going to be making immediate transport a priority. Number two, asking your partner to provide oxygen. And number three, making sure that for every life threat you checked, if a threat was present, you addressed it. Well, we've included a lot of information here. I would strongly encourage you to listen to this audio several times, maybe on your way to Skills Lab to ensure that you fully understand these concepts. We can't wait to meet you at Skills Lab. And as always, we wanna remind you, never hesitate to reach out to us if you have any difficulties with the course.